This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to a Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I, I literally had to sort of look that up. Like, what day is it? It's a bit blur with all the preseason coming to an end and all the moves by the Denver Broncos and the NFL left and right. The uh, kicking frenzy of three kickers being traded. Broncos being involved in that, too. The team itself is again in flux the broncos were the last team to release their 53 to the media and of course that's fluid what we know right now about the players that have been assigned to the practice squad 14 of the 16 have been confirmed by mike Kliss, of course nine news the official broadcast partner of the denver broncos so they would assume there's a bit of an in there those players are ben denucci the quarterback uh two wide receivers philip dorsett the first round draft pick of the colts in 2015 more on him a little later david sills was with the Giants last year, also wide receiver. Tyler Lancaster for the Broncos, the nose tackle returns. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey, who was with the Broncos and one of their last cuts, also returned as a guy that played for Sean Payton, of course, with the Saints. Uh, P.J. Mustafer, who I thought the Broncos were made very clear they quite liked, and it seemed like he was targeted for the practice squad all along. He is back, running back Tyler Beatty, cornerback Art Green, uh, who was uh, out of Houston, uh, signed for $180,000 originally. Out of college, uh, the Broncos scoop him up. Marcus Haynes, another undrafted rookie out of Old Dominion, a linebacker. Demontre Jacobs, the monster tackle that had a, a pretty impressive training camp. But again, seems like a good practice squad fit. Wide receiver Michael Bandy uh, returns, played for uh, Joe Lombardi for the previous two years with the Chargers. The Broncos now offensive coordinator. Uh, Hagai Ndebuisi will return from the uh, international program. I mentioned this uh, earlier in the week. You can do that and add a player on the international program to the practice squad, but that person can't be active the whole year, and then they would essentially be exempt. So the Broncos could have 17 instead of 16 if they keep into Buisi, and then he can stay the whole year on the practice squad. That is almost certainly what's going to happen. A defensive tackle that's six foot seven, three twenty-three, they'll probably give him a look. Uh, Devon Key, the safety, who's been on practice squads in the last two years with the Chiefs and the Falcons and the Broncos. And final one, Will Sherman, uh, and offensive lineman's played a little bit of tackle and guard for Colorado Buffalo, sixth-round pick of the Patriots last year, uh, was on the Broncos practice squad last year as well. That's 14 of the 16, and maybe, as it turns out, with Nguisi, probably a 17 for the Broncos. No major surprises, no major news. Sean Payton talked to the media today, said the Broncos never, despite being in fifth place in the waiver order, didn't make a waiver claim at all. And one of the things for fans who tend to worry, and understandably so, right? When you pass a player through waivers, you're always concerned, well, everyone else could take him. The player that I like could be taken. Out of the 851 players waived, 24 were claimed. That's 2.8%. 
that's by and large pretty normal. So that that's is, always exaggerated and not just by fans. Yeah, by the way. it is not a, just the, by the fans. waiver wire Media does not have constantly solution. talks. And they did on the telecast the other night talk constantly about 12, 15 players coming in via the waiver wire. And Sean Payton today said there was zero. The, the, and they not, didn't, even put, they, they didn't even put in a claim. It wasn't that they got declined. They literally did not put in a single claim, according to Sean Payton. So, uh, again, year after year, 90% of what you hear and read is utter bullcrap. <laughs> it just is. And I I think it's younger and younger, less and less experienced people in our business who think they'll get clicks if they suggest that what Deion Sanders did at CU will be more or less replicated by Sean Payton and the Broncos. Now, Sean Payton likes people he's familiar with. I think that's been And we just rolled over some of them that just joined the team because of it. Uh, right. You know, 20 players. I believe it's 20. That number may have changed in the last few hours. Uh, uh, who are not with the Broncos in 2022, I think are on the 53-man. That sounds about I, right. I, yeah. I think that that's about right. right. All five draft picks made the team. Mm-hmm. Shocker there, since Sean Payton made five draft picks. Right. Not George Payton. Again, another bit of nonsense that the media continues to perpetuate around here. Uh, Ten veterans. uh, Lutz is the trade acquisition. And I guess several undrafted rookies. We will hear from uh, Will Lutz later in the program. Four four? made the team for the uh, first time till. And here's this. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. At least 1997, because the Broncos, quite frankly, didn't bother tracking it before. As things stand (laughs) now, not that it will remain this way. But as things stand now, they've got four wide receivers still. Is that right? Four on the four on the fifty three, including yes. Jerry Judy. Yes. Who, by the oh, way, is is going to miss some time. That is correct. Right. So now, for opening day, they'll have three. You'll be as able, things stand. Yeah. Up. You can. No, I, I, I can, imagine they could. Yeah. I I had the I mean, there's impression three on the practice squad. They're all veterans. Because it was reported, and I guess maybe misreported this way, that Philip Dorsett was on the fifty three. No, man. that's not right. Not right. So it's not as uh, of right now. We'll have to go over our notes because I don't get 53. Now, on the basis of what, uh, maybe I'm missing somebody. But uh, I Three don't, players I don't, expected to be on the short-term uh, list. That would be offensive tackle Alex Palachewski, uh, Kwan Williams, of course, the cornerback, uh, and Baron Browning, of course, is on the pup. So those three okay, players. Okay, I, I guess I've got it. Yeah, not, I, I uh, uh, we'll miss the first four games of the season. Uh, at bare minimum, yeah. and then there you have it. Now, Dorsett, uh, you, you, maybe if you've heard that a little bit and it's familiar, it's because he was a first-round pick in yeah. 2015. Yeah. Now, over the course of his career, he's only had 2,001 yards and 151 catches and bounced around the league. That happens, but uh, Peyton talked about him briefly today and pointed out how much he, prior to that draft in 2015, uh, went to his workouts, really yeah. liked him, and to a certain extent, well, even though he's never played for Sean Payton, another one that I think you can say is a Sean Payton guy, someone that he felt comfortable with and felt comfortable bringing in. There's also the the talk you've heard a little bit that cracked me up because I'd, I'd heard a little bit. They're like, well, Philip Dorsett's reunited with Russell Wilson. We played with him. I'm like, what? And, and I had actually done much of the research on Russell Wilson's 
passes and, and everyone who'd be, who'd be thrown to over those seven years prior to the Broncos. I'm like, I don't remember Dorsett being in there with any significance. That's because he wasn't. Philip Dorsett, when he was bounced around between three different teams in 2021, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Seahawks, played two games with the Seahawks, was targeted once, did catch it, for three yards. So, yes, Philip Dorsett is familiar with Russell Wilson. Yes, you, I mean you, you listening right now, you have caught one fewer pass from Russell Wilson than Philip Dorsett. So let's not blow that out of proportion. There isn't any familiarity that's going to be helpful between the two. You know, one's better than none, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Look at you being Mr. Optimism. You, had a, you've had a, you must have had a good day. I don't know. The Broncos, it really, <laughs> most of the people they had in the practice squad are people they come. Which right. we also, which is by the way, most every team every does team exactly does that, that because they've been in your camp, they know your system, and you're bringing in somebody from the outside who doesn't know your system at all. That's why the Trey Lance deal, even the timing of it, made no sense at all to me because he's of no use to the Cowboys. He doesn't have any idea what they do, and once the regular season starts. You don't have the luxury of bringing individuals up to speed. Oh, and by the way, he's a free agent after the year because he's not going to get a fifth-year option. Uh, Probably after next year. After next, next year. year. Right. Next year. Right. So, year. basically, they'll have one year next year, probably, if they see yeah. what to do with Lance, but they still have Prescott under yeah. contract. I, yeah. That's Jerry Jones. Uh, he's like, I'm just, he's talented. I'm going to grab him. Yeah. He's on the cheap. Why not? Right. And, I mean, right. is there a drawback for the Cowboys? Probably not. But is it going to amount to anything? Also, probably not would have been better for Lance. So the one thing I found out today that, that I, I used him. did not know is that uh, Thomas Incombe, the uh, edge mm-hmm. player for That's Broncos, backer, one of the four undrafted, had uh, the highest agents. signing bonus. So I guess there was uh, a little bit of internal incentive to keep him around. Or at least they certainly he felt got a good signing about bonus him. of one hundred eighty thousand dollars. So uh, I was not aware of that. Had I been. Uh, he would have been pretty much a lock to make the team from the beginning, I mean, even though he was not drafted. Small if you're giving him a signing bonus of 180000 uh, that's more than any other, by far more than any other Bronco uh, undrafted free agent got. So they liked him and probably gave some consideration to drafting him, although more than, more than likely, yeah. I mean, that'd be, that's that's usually when you see that that's somebody was, that was on their list of draftable players. But I, I wonder, out of all the undrafted free agents get there. Uh, the Broncos have kept through the years, um, how many of them also received very high, if not the highest, of signing bonuses? Remember, for a while, it was capped. And... Uh, it, it, it basically was capped as far as the signing bonus. In 2023, the according to ESPN on that, because I did take a peek at that, 2023, the cap is basically $180,000. So that's about the most you can offer. Now, base salary is different. Uh, you, you could offer a, an undrafted, you, you feel somebody slipped through, you could offer them whatever you want. You could offer millions a year in base salary as long as it fits under the salary cap. But if they are undrafted, the signing bonus is that's basically the, the top. So it gives you the impression the Broncos liked him enough to offer him a max signing bonus offer. And more than likely when that happens, they come with minimum NFL contracts for one year. But yeah, I, I think that's probably uh, realistic 
when you're talking about following the draft this year, the highest base salary given to any player that was signed, uh, this is by ESPN, and this all this goes all the way. This actually was starting today. Uh, Andre Carter from Minnesota received the highest base salary guarantee for an undrafted free agent, $300,000. That's it. So uh, the the basically the 180 given to income is the max you can give in a, in a signing bonus. Um, that's not what the, the salary is going to be. But, yeah, you're right. They, they were comfortable and, and interested in him as a player. And uh, I, I think that bore itself out because, quite frankly, I'll admit, I didn't know much about the Central Michigan product, go Chippewas. But the fact of the matter is practices, preseason games, as I mentioned yesterday, you looked at the bottom of a pile and number 59 climbed out of it a lot. So I, I think he earned his spot. But yeah, when you're talking about the four undrafted college free agents, the five draft picks that all made, that's nine. That's 90 or 53. That doesn't include some of the guys we talked about. Michael Burton, right? So that's 10. As it turns out, the wide receivers, uh, Callaway and Humphrey did not stem stay. Humphrey brought back onto the practice squad. Don't know what they're doing with Callaway. Uh, Will Lutz traded for. That's 11. Uh, again, this is this is the idea that coaches bring in their guys. And about as much as possible, I mean, right there, when you're talking 11 of 53, that that's 20% of the roster. So a, a fifth of this roster, at minimum, and that's the active roster, not even counting the practice squad, are, are guys that Sean Payton wanted to bring in because he felt that the players he knew were better than the players the Broncos had. And there's really no other way to spin that. Make it that way you will. Yeah. Look at your sunny optimism. He, Poof, he, gone he, deep, he <laughs> I think he knows right now, and he knew from the beginning, that he had a lousy football team. And there wasn't much he could do about that, but bring in several guys anyway uh, who had some familiarity with, with the system and basically build a coaching staff around guys who either coach with him or played for him in New Orleans across the 16 years he was there, 15 as a coach, and, of course, the one-year suspension for Bounty Gate. The- but I, I, I don't think this whole, you know, we're now uh, three days in mm-hmm. uh, to the week, and we're, what, on the 30th uh, day of August, we are within... 11 days. Yeah. Opening day. Yep. My my feelings about their prospects for this year really have not changed that much one way or the other. I mean, I, you, when you went down a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Very beginning of before the preseason. Picks game. for guys who would make the roster of 53, and you look at what they ended up with. <laughs> Really isn't a great deal. I, I, I checked. It was actually out of the the forty. Uh, I, said, I thought there were forty five that were were locks. Uh, forty four, uh, indeed, made. Who did you miss? Um, you don't remember up. who you missed? I tried. No, no, <laughs> Sandy, you're the one in the this, sunny move. This man. is this is the uh, this is the business. Might not be able to you rattle off the forty four. You don't focus you on right. your you don't focus on your mistakes. Yeah, Come but on there now. was only one Positive. of them. Yeah, it was only one. Oh, it's Kendall, Kendall Hinton. 
Okay. It was Kendall That's Hinton. That's more than forgivable because I had him making the 53-man yep. Kendall well. Hinton was who and I had. That's right. if I were to say that they made a mistake, um, you know, I, I they won't go into the season with – with three, <laughs> three wide active wide receivers in, no. in, in, in the opening, which is basically game, what they have which right is basically now. what they have right now. I know they won't do that. Um, I I hope Hinton comes back. Now, has anything happened to him uh, that you know of? Seen the li- I don't. I haven't seen. I haven't what heard I know anything. of yet. No, don't know if he's been scooped up. Some know. of the Broncos. I, mean, I say some. One that I read about, I think, signed with the Vikings practice squad, so they couldn't get him back. And that, that happens. There were a few players across the league that were offered uh, practice squad spots and decided to leave and go to teams where they had a quicker path towards the active roster, and that's one of the, the risks as well, and that's uh, part of this challenge. And no, I don't really see anything about Kendall Hinton at this point being uh, selected. So well, I hope he comes back. And they, if they dress out only four wide receivers for the opener, he's one of the four. Well, and that appears to be what they'll do. That is an interesting part of this equation but, but because what, what have you got? You got Johnson, Sutton, you got Mims and, Mims, and you got Sutton. And Jerry Judy is not going to play in this game. Well, wow. that, well, sorry, that he is considered to be questionable. I don't believe. Sorry, he's spoiler going to play. alert: he's not going to play he's in that game against the Raiders. To play, not going to play in the second 10. game either. By the way, just uh, so you know, no, barring something no. really strange. What are they saying? Moderate. So I I don't know if that means it, it doesn't mean grade three because that'd be probably a two-month uh, recuperation period. Remember, they carted uh, him but, off but, practice. Uh, yeah, Just but, but it's maybe somewhere between grade one and grade two. I guess that would qualify as moderate. Yeah. Grade three is now he's, He avoided that short-term injured reserve, so they do believe that he'll be back before four weeks, Four weeks, uh, which is kind of what we suggested here, that the that he was the, they would love to get him back by week three uh, if they could do so. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll find out, you know, if that happens. But, yeah, they, they will have to go with somebody else for sure. There's no question about that. The the, the thought process here that, that we've been going through for a while, Sandy, is that thus far we have really no reason to take John Payton at anything but face value. Now, there's certainly objectives. He's a clever guy. He doesn't say a lot of things by accident unless he's apparently had a couple of lattes, as he pointed out. But even that, I don't believe, was actually that was accidental. That was not accidental. Uh, that was the most calculated thing he said since yes. taking over his coach. But what he's also Full been very clear about is talking about how this was going to be a team that ran. And the roster moves. The roster is as it's comprised. This looks like it is going to be a team that's going to play a lot of 12 personnel, two, two tight end sets, run the ball, and its passing is going to be generally designed out of play action so long as they're within striking distance. And that's where you've correctly pointed out that that all sounds good until you're down by two scores. I, I would say even in today's NFL. Oh, I'll just take a crack at three quarters of the coaches in the NFL. So they want to run the ball more. Then they have previously. Also, we're noting, by the way, about 90 percent of those coaches are full of that, that, that. First of all. A lot of them aren't calling the plays and don't want to call the plays on offense. Right. And they say they want to run the ball more. And I always think of the Adam Gase story going back to 2014, uh, his last year as the offensive coordinator of the Broncos on John Fox's staff. And 
the Broncos were off to a great start. They got slaughtered in, in New England, and then they had a tough game against the Rams in St. Louis. I believe it might have been either the last or second to last year for the Rams in St. Louis. Anyway, they got pounded 22-3. to Peyton Manning threw the ball more than 50 times. They had no running game. But the reason they threw as often as they did was they were behind the whole game. Right. And they had to score points. And you don't score points by running the football. Every other down or even two downs out of three, especially two downs out of three, you don't run the ball. So, anyway, the, the next week they're playing Buffalo, and it's a completely different sort of game. It's high scoring. It's back and forth. And the Broncos get behind – and Gay sidles up to John Fox and says, uh, you want to keep running the ball now? And Fox allowed us to how uh, it might be a good idea to start throwing on every down. Well, as it turns out, the Denver Broncos, the who uh, had at least the highest active amount of money allocated to wide receivers, no longer does because they have four wide receivers on their <laughs> roster. The only <laughs> other team that has four current wide receivers are the and, Philadelphia. And two of them don't cost very much. Philadelphia Eagles are the only other team that has uh, four on their roster as it stands today. But the Broncos, amazingly, with four... Still ranked third, $25.07 million in cap dollars behind only the Buccaneers and the Jaguars, despite having only four wide receivers. None of that, of course, will matter if Russell Wilson can't stay upright, and that depends on the offensive line. Mike McGlinchey had an opportunity to talk about the Broncos' offensive line challenges and what they look forward to with the media today. We'll hear from him next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Earlier today, the Broncos prize free agent edition, Mike McGlinchey, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, had an opportunity to address the meet after practice. McGlinchey, of course, hurt for a sum of camp and the preseason, though it does appear that if they were real games or close to it, uh, McGlinchey could have gone. The Broncos and Sean Payton have been very clear and, again, have more or less lived up to uh, reducing the opportunities for injury exposure as best as possible when players have been injured, maintenance days for veterans, uh, limiting the amount of time on the field for players who are either older or who have had injury histories. And, and McGlinchey l- looks back and wholly healthy. He had an opportunity to talk to the media today and was asked specifically about the chemistry of the offensive line as it stands. The chemistry aspect it's not going to be the same today as it is 18 weeks from now. Right. So it's I'm sure it's just, it grows every single um, day that you put on the pads and you work together and, and see things as as the same, you make mistakes the same way. Um, You know, you learn from everything that you do out there and, and, you know, you sit next to your guys in the meeting rooms and you talk through situations and all that kind of stuff. And that'll all come. Uh, I think we're on a great path. I think we've had a great camp on the offensive line. um, And I think, um, you know, we've got to just keep getting better. I I would, Partially agree with that. Um, I'm not, as concerns go, terribly worried about the right side of the offensive line. I think they're okay at right guard and right tackle. Um, Miners seems to be an up-and-comer. 
McGlinchey was let go by the 49ers, and I'm not aware that he's being replaced uh, by someone who's any threat to I mean, the when Pro you Bowl say let go, they decided not to sign him, not yes. necessarily. Yes, but they, they, but, they uh, allowed him to depart via free agent. You don't let not usually solid offensive linemen who can do everything pretty well. That's, Maybe nothing great, but everything pretty well. That's so, usually the And truth. his pass-blocking deficiencies uh, have affected uh, the overall judgment of his play. But I, I think especially when you look at his being, and I'm not kidding here, the 24th right tackle to start for this team when opening day arrives, and that would be over a period of 10 years. Mm-hmm. Nine full years, and opening day would be year number 10. Bonkers. Orlando Franklin missed one game in three years at right tackle for the Broncos, 11, 12, and 13. Missed one game at right tackle. They've now had, assuming McGlinchey is raring to go on opening day, and every expectation is that he will be, he'll be uh, the 24th. That means two dozen starting right tackles who have started at least one game for the Broncos in the last decade. And not one right tackle has made it through more than one season as the starting right tackle. Not one. Uh, stunning. I think the Bronco hope for McGlinchey is that maybe for three years, <laughs> as Orlando at was the starting the right tackle for three years, stops. Right. at least for three more years, McGlinchey can man that post for the Broncos, and I think he's fine. Um, don't think he's exceptional. I think he's fine. The right side of the offensive line, I think, is good. My concern would be the left side of the offensive line. And his point about um, the line improving so that by week 18, they're a functional group. There's a big if attached to that. And that's <laughs> a particularly big if around here where offensive linemen go down all the time is that you're talking about the same five guys. And... The Broncos in the last decade have almost never had that. Even with the 49ers case, uh, McGlinchey's the only person that's different on that line. Uh, Colton McKivitz, their former fifth-round pick, is going to start for them. But uh, otherwise, their other four are the same. Are the same. And including Trent Williams, who's the best tackle, left, right, or otherwise. In football, and it's not even a discussion. And he's been that way for years. He had an opportunity to also talk about, of course, maybe the talk of camp, Jaleel McLaughlin, and... Uh, when asked about him, I, I think you're talking about a guy that's seen some pretty good backs in, in his career, obviously. Uh, sure. Uh, honors, but I, I think the, the McCaffrey, reaction Samuel. that you get, nevertheless, about McLaughlin is, is somewhat similar to, I think, what a lot of fans have felt. And it's it's real. I'll tell you what, man. He's just, he's been a star of this camp. Um, I think he's turned a lot of heads here. I think there, he's, you know, it's one of the coolest stats I've ever heard. He, he leads the NCAA at all levels in all-purpose yards, I think, and you can see why. Um, it's, he's a fun player to, pl- to block for, to, to watch play, and, and you know, you, he, you see some things from him on film, some cuts that you're like, how did, I, I don't even know how he saw that, and, and to get there and then to accelerate through the hole. Jaleel's going to have a hell of a career, man, and he, the way that he works, the, the teammate that he is, um, I, I think not, I can speak for a lot of the veterans on our team that we, we've all been incredibly impressed with Jaleel. He's, been, he's doing great. That's a pretty good vote of confidence. I, I, I guy think he's right. Some players. I think he's 100% right that McLaughlin's been the star of the camp. And I, I 
might otherwise say if this were any other player, that says more about how many guys haven't been standouts than it does about the guy who, in fact, has stood out. But in this case, it's McLaughlin. Yeah. I, I mean, it's his doing. He'd be the star in a lot of camps. He'd be the star in a lot of camps. Um, I don't know if among the elite teams he'd be the star, but he. But there are a whole lot of teams. Well, we that saw he would have made. I I think the a whole vast lot majority of teams, of teams that he would have made. And I'm, 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 I'm talking I about like, making the 53 man. I'm not talking about practice. And I think probably a 24, whole lot of teams, 24 teams I, I or so he would have made. Pretty close to three quarters of the teams in the league, he would have made on merit as part of the 53 man. I agree. Opening day. They rush. found one. They found one. Good job by the Broncos uh, to go ahead and find a player that can be uh, not only part of the, he's not going to be part of the depth. They're going to find a way to utilize his skill set. I think Sean Payton has made that clear that they're going to find a way to use him because he is absolutely ready to you contribute. Know what, you know what I love? Because I think this notion, I understand it's important. And especially with the game being played the way it is today. But I haven't heard one word, one way or the other, about, boy, this guy for a little guy really can pick up the blitz. Or we're worried about his ability to pick up the blitz. Not a word. No. In other words, it's, because it's your, it meets if you put him in there, there are a lot of things you can do with him. And I understand with some guys, when you put them in and you know they can't block, <clears throat> well, they, they, you're otherwise kind of limited right. because they may run the ball well but not catch it. They may catch it but be no threat whatsoever running it. The key phrase that McGlinchey used there was all-purpose yards. Yeah. He can do everything well. So that's obviously a good sign for the Broncos, but maybe the most important sign is Mike McGlinchey had an opportunity to talk about Russell Wilson. Now, he wasn't with Wilson last year, but... He has been with Wilson as Wilson tries to recover from a disastrous 2022 season and learn a new offense in which he is unaccustomed to. I thought McGlinchey's comments were uh, interesting, Sandy, because as you talk about all the sunshine coming along, it's positive, but maybe not in the way you might expect. Well, I think he's been, um, first and foremost, a great leader. I think he's been a, a constant workhorse, and I think he's ascending. I, I think that um, since the spring and since every day of training camp, you just see him get better and better. And um, for a player that's of his caliber, that's really special. Um, and he's never satisfied. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a, it's a mindset that he takes in every single day. Um, and Russ's, Russ's passion for this game and the way that he improves and the way that he works rubs off on a lot of people. You know what I like about that is because that, that I think, is a realistic assessment. It's what I've seen as well. You didn't hear. He's great. He's, a, he, he's a, the perennial pro bowler. You heard he's ascending. He's getting better all the time. Ascending, heading in the right direction. That's what I see, too. I don't see Russell Wilson be, being a pro bowler this year. I don't see Russell Wilson ever returning to his, his best years ever. But I do see a guy who is ascending. Now, the rate of that is going to be very yes, important. Yes, that's the debate. But I do that's appreciate McGlinchey's evaluation because I think it's, quite frankly, it's positive, but it's fair. It's, it, not, it, the, it's not the gushing it's, overboard it, type of thing that we normally hear. Not... It, you know, Russell Wilson, I, the one thing I'd probably quibble with is the idea that he's never satisfied. I, I think it's kind of just the opposite. Russell Wilson's tendency is always to be satisfied, uh, no matter how 
poorly he's played, no matter how poorly the offense has played. Uh, I thought at least last year he seemed quite satisfied, self-satisfied. And, uh, you know, but McGlinchey wasn't here last year. And I find McGlinchey in listening to him to be a very thoughtful He's also guy. played against Wilson, however, uh, well, times. Well, kind of, so. I mean, he's been uh, on the, I should say, he's been on the same field. Been on the same field right. with him. But, again, the interesting thing about the whole Wilson deal, and you, you can go back and, you know, it, it, we, we both have great respect for the late, great John Clayton, but some people um, have the idea that it, 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 <laughs> if we're wrong, we're, we're, we're loath to admit it, and I'm sure if John were still with us today, he'd admit he got Russell Wilson wrong. Uh, somebody asked him last year after the move uh, was made by the Broncos, why would Seattle uh, trade Russell Wilson? And his answer was because Seattle's stupid. And that's not the feeling in the NFC West. Not now. And it wasn't then either. And Dr. Rick Perea was among the first. He works with uh, a number of teams in the NFC West, including the 49ers and uh, the Rams. And his feeling was that that from what he heard from those organizations – they were kind of disappointed to see Russell Wilson leave, and they thought Seattle fleeced the Broncos on the deal. And they said it would have been a fleecing if it had just been the draft picks with no existing players involved in the deal. They said it would have been a fleecing for just the draft picks, and I think most sane observers would agree with that. Forget about the three bets they picked up. The five draft picks alone constituted a fleecing. Uh and I, I think, you know, the, the error the Broncos made was not listening uh, as part of the vetting process. They, they only listened to what they wanted to hear. And uh, uh, Matt LaFleur spoke uh, last year about how he couldn't understand why Nathaniel Hackett hadn't called him about Russell Wilson. He would have warned him off Wilson because LaFleur thought he wasn't near, uh, nearly the player he had been. And, you know, so so <laughs> the fact the Broncos basically uh, went on, I guess, their own hope and their own judgment and really didn't ask anybody in the NFC, especially in the NFC West about him, is, uh, is a little stunning. But I do find McGlinchey to be very thoughtful, and that's a refreshing change from the Dalton Reisners of the world who were anything but thoughtful, and they were just cheerleaders. And then they got into fights with teammates on the sideline, which exposed them as phonies, uh, or exposed Reisner as a phony anyway. Uh, McGlinchey's not a phony. McGlinchey sounds like a stand-up guy to me, thoughtful guy who thinks before he speaks, and that has become increasingly rare in Bronco land over the last six, seven years. He also had an opportunity to speak specifically about the expectations for the offensive line that are on them, and the expectations that he has, and I think those are telling as well. I think so. I think um, we talk about it all the time. I don't think there's – I think any football team and any good football organization will tell you that uh, the attitude and the mindset of the team, you know, emulates from the offensive line. And, and, and having an offensive line that sets the tone for this organization and for this football team is certainly something that we're working for and certainly something that we want. 
Um, and I think we're taking the right steps to get there. Um, I think playing offensive line, is, you know, there's like a little bit of a badge of honor in that regard. We're not exactly the most popular guys out on the field, but we certainly feel like we're some of the most important. And, um, and that attitude and the unit that we have and the ability that we think that we can play to um, is something that we certainly want and that we certainly feel. And I think, you know, I, I hope to God the rest of the teams felt it during training camp because I feel as though we've looked pretty good. I, I think fundamentally he's right. Now, I, I wouldn't expect him to say anything, but the uh, offensive line has been fine in training camp. And uh, even during the time he's been out, uh, the offensive line has, has done well. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. But I do agree with him that every team, and the Broncos would be included in this, expecting to make a leap in 2023 over where it was a year ago, inevitably cites the offensive line as the key to the improvement. Really? Uh, I mean, or expresses concern that the offensive line won't hold up even as other aspects of the team have improved. So I think his assessment that your judgment of a team is conditioned on how you feel about the offensive line and how the offensive line in fact does perform. I think he's right on in, in that regard. And, I'm thinking of teams that I've read a lot about during the preseason. Uh, The Jets are on hard knocks, of course. I read the Boston papers, the Patriots all the time. And all they talk about is offensive line play. That's all they talk about. That's the key to the improvement that both those teams and more have to have in, in the coming season. Detroit Lions offensive line did a pretty good job protecting Jared Goff last year. Nobody says that any other factor was more important to Jared Goff in 2022 than the fact that he was well protected by the Detroit Lions offensive line. And they're hoping that happens again, because if it doesn't, Jared Goff is going to be struggling much as he did in his final days with the Rams and maybe early on in Detroit too. Savvy NFL fans understand, savvy football fans at any level, the offensive line is what makes your offense go. Your quarterback can't throw from his back. Your running back can't run where there's cool. no holes. Your wide receivers can't catch if your quarterback can't throw. It's it's just that simple. But the, that offensive line growth is what powers football and teams. And very quickly, before we break, the CU opener against TCU will be respectable. Whether CU wins or not, it will be respectable if their offensive line holds up and Shadur Sanders is given a chance to throw them. Along with the running backs that they have acquired, absolutely. Right. By the way, noting that uh, as of now, at least in the NFL, the average, not the highest, the average salary by position in the NFL, quarterback is third. The top is left tackle. The second, right tackle. Of course, defensive back seems to be where the Denver Broncos at least feel they're the strongest. Kareem Jackson had an opportunity to talk about that. We'll hear from him next on Miley Sports. You can blame it all This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Oh, it is hump day. A little bit of Yacht Rock hump day there. Danny Bailey's doing it there. Because you're most of the way through the week. That's always good. 
it allows me to use like 70s DJ voice. Also fun. There's football this weekend, by the way, too. Of the college variety, of course, as we get closer, we'll talk about the Buffs and the Rams and the Falcons. Uh, Sandy, of course, you're actually going to go to the uh, the Buffs game in Fort yes. Worth. Yep, leaving tomorrow morning. That will be uh, intriguing, and we'll get uh, the man on the scene uh, vibe, hopefully from you tomorrow. But we yes. won't really pester you on your break. But uh, we, well, no, but we uh, will. We'll, I mean, we'll, we will. We'll be down there, and uh, uh, you know, I I think this game is clearly far more intriguing from the CU perspective than I'm sure it is for TCU. It, it's probably panic-inducing from the TCU perspective who expects to roll, and anything else, you're like, uh oh. Well. Yeah, basically, uh, I, 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 I don't think, say panic inducing. I'll say this. I don't nothing, think a team in the national championship game right. last year is worried. But if you're Colorado. TCU, you're looking at it and you're like, nothing actually good can happen for us here. Well, I, I don't know about that. I, I'm, I, if we lose, I, it's I think bad. If, they, if we get close, well, it's bad. We have to blow these guys out or it's, if or it's you beat bad for Deion us. Sanders team in his debut by 30 points. It'll get no, noticed. They, but they have to blow them out. It'll get noticed. Well, uh, depending on how the game goes, uh, a 20 point win would have a similar effect. And, and it is 20 and, and a half at our friends with, at Super with Bowl Dion, And it's not entirely the fault of the head coach. Every win and every loss will be magnified out of all proportion. And I have said, and I still believe it, if they stay within a touchdown, 10 points, oh, a, even within two touchdowns. Monumental win for CU. No, I, yeah. I think it's... It's uh, a major statement. A moral victory mm-hmm. of sorts. It's a big statement. Uh, it's, it's okay, we can compete against a top 20 team. You'd have to follow it up with a win over Nebraska at home, but, but that's one step right, at a time. Right. However, if, if they get blown out, even if it's one of those games that's close and becomes one-sided in the fourth quarter, people will react and, yes, overreact to it. Uh, I thought there was a pretty solid piece on ESPN.com, which was the lead story uh, for a few hours this morning on ESPN.com about Deion Sanders' debut with with Colorado. And it went back. Uh, I, I thought they did a pretty good job in this story of not only getting the transfers to comment on coming to Colorado, but in getting some of the ones who stayed to comment. And I found those comments to be extremely honest and comprehensive. The people quoted all acknowledged feeling a little bit funny about being here when at least they're more, in their estimation, more qualified teammates had been, for lack of a better term, runoff. Now, they weren't saying they were anything less than very happy to be here, but they did say it was a little awkward. And, of course, there's the obligatory idea that people haven't talked about very much, ourselves included, of these 10 returning players from last year's team Mm -hmm. welcoming uh, however many newcomers, 86 new players, whether you're talking about high school, junior college, SEC, <laughs> I, I mean, welcoming all those. You're you're part of a 10-person group welcoming 86. Uh, 
that's a challenge that is unique in the history of college football. I don't think it, we've ever seen is. that before. It is, and it's not like. But they were very honest about the the yeah. It, it, it was not what they had in mind when they came to see you. No, uh, it, no. But this now, is. They also didn't have in mind that you know there would be such dramatic change between uh, their freshman. But at, and at the same years. time, and I understand. Right. I understand. We're talking about. Uh, 18 to 22 year old kids. I get that. And I get the frustration and I understand all the heartbreak and I understand all that. I do. Uh, at the same time, college football is a business. It always was a business. And now it's definitely clearly well, a business. And here's the yeah. other problem. If you're on a one and 11 football team, it isn't, yeah. you need to be aware that your role mm-hmm. is not necessarily stable. And this turnover and this overhaul is unprecedented and not unprecedented. And then the funny thing is we look at it and I think people look at it and say, Oh, it's unprecedented because of Deion Sanders. Not really. It's unprecedented because of rule changes and someone was bound that to take advantage allowed of it. to do it. And, and but, but to do there it, was not a power five school that needed the overhaul any more than I the one eleven bus who were I, the I worst by any calculation but, but power five squad. There was let, the worst program. Let's be clear. Uh, it wasn't, why he was hired now could they have imagined that he would do this in the way that he has yes but it wasn't one of the top two reasons he was hired the reason he was hired uh he paid for himself basically in december of 2022 the month he was hired when sales of colorado gear were up 505 percent yeah from the previous december december of 2021 that's reason number one he was hired, so he paid for himself in the first we're month. Not, we're not even talking about the, number the visibility. Two, number two, he was hired so that CU would become attractive to the Big 12 and they could leave the Pac-12, and that has also happened. So the top two reasons he was hired had nothing at all to do with small changes, big changes, unprecedented overhauls, or, or any of that. And... It is it has put the spotlight on CU, and they have benefited from that spotlight. But and we'll get into this more tomorrow uh, when I call in. But now you got to play football. Now comes the hard. Part. It does. It the does. easy part was mm-hmm. having Dion overhaul do Dion stuff. Not not do the overhaul. No, just be Dion. And no. within a month. Your your gear is selling at a rate of a five hundred five percent increase in the previous year, and no, I I I don't blame. Maybe it's an overly cynical view. I don't think one of the top two reasons he was hired was to do the overhaul, because I, I I agree with you in the sense that any coach would have come in and made major changes, but not in the style that he did it nor at the magnitude that he did it because you've got to be pretty sure of yourself to go as far as, as he went. And even they have admitted up in Boulder, even, even the coaches. And I, I don't know that Dion has said it publicly, but the coaches have indicated and it's in this piece. They lost a few guys that they did want to keep. I'm sure. But that's the, that's the, that's always the risk. And, and I imagine there were five or six guys that they ran off that they could have just as well kept. 
and could have played some in place of the guys who were either brought in through the transfer portal or who were recruited and for various reasons may not be quite ready to play yet as starters at the University of Colorado, especially against TCU on Saturday. According to USA Today, there are seven college programs that had better than a 100% increase in their ticket sales in this, in the, from last year to this year. Auburn plus, at plus 102%, Michigan at plus 117, Wisconsin at plus 135, Penn State at plus 162. Auburn still should have hired Deion Sanders. I think they're realizing that now because if they didn't, they will in about... Even, even as their they, sales are they, up. They will in about 10 seconds here. The Tennessee Volunteers up 242%, the Florida State Seminoles at 450%, another team that, if they would have offered, might have gotten a long look, obviously. Although Deion made it very clear he was not yeah. a Florida yeah. State grad... Yesterday, right, right. Colorado Buffaloes, one thousand six hundred and sixty-eight percent. Yeah, but well, yo, I think that was the number one reason, and I'm not saying it's an ancillary benefit because I do think it was a solid number two. Colorado knew in December of 2022 that it was just a matter of time before they left the Pac-12 for the Big 12, and the minute they hired Deion Sanders, they, they became viable. They were allowed to accelerate Big the process. Yes. School. They had to accelerate the process, and they found a way to do exactly that. The Denver Broncos are still assembling their roster uh, as we speak. We know most of it, but we'll get uh, the latest today from the man who covers all of it from My Life Sports, Cordy Rourke. He'll join us next. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.